Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. This week, Lauren and Justin find out about the secrets of snakes, plus we get an insight into the new dangerous virus that is spreading. So we're not very far into 2016 and we already have a new virus to learn about, the Zika virus. We find out what exactly it does and who is most at risk from it. Plus, we find out about the secret of snakes and how that sometimes they manage to reproduce asexually. That is to say, without another partner, they may not be the only ones doing it. Lauren, you want a snake, right? Snakes. What? Yes. Why do you want a snake? They're so cute. They're like little spaghetti noodles and they've got little tongues and they're just they're so slithery. Yeah, but their tongues don't shoot out of projectile, like, projectile rays. True. After learning that about chameleons, I... I'm on the verge of wanting a chameleon instead. But, you know, snakes do have another amazing ability. Superhero-like ability. I can have a superhero snake? Well, maybe. What is this magical ability that they've... <laughs> well, it, magical is a good way to put it. Uh, we've just come past Christmas. We, I don't want to get too, too weird about this. But the concept <laughs> that we're talking about here is what is known as parthenogenesis. And it comes from a, a Latin-Greek root word which basically means virgin birth, and I don't want to be really crass about this, but this whole concept is around asexual reproduction. That is, the snake, some snakes, are able to reproduce without a other partner to provide the required gametes to actually reproduce. So basically, the there can be... Because normally, you know, during sexual reproduction, there is a sperm and an egg. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have probably learned this by now. If not, please Google. Um, instead, there is just the egg, and it ends up splitting in a way that it doesn't need to be fertilized to have that, those extra chromosomes put into it, because, you know, you're a mix of your mum and dad's chromosomes. That's right, and if you think about it in terms of humans, we have the X and the Y chromosome, and they combine, and you end up with an XX or XY, mm-hmm. or XXYY, or double, triple X, depending mm-hmm. on weird shenanigans with chromosomes. But you need that combination of material, because each one on their own doesn't have enough to reproduce fully. Mm -hmm. That's why we have sexual reproduction, where you, instead of relying on just one, you actually get make up that gap by getting a partner's other reproductive material and combining that. And that's where you end up with cool mutations and stuff like that, where things have changed and you end up with... Evolution and mutants and X-Men and Wolverines eventually. However, when you've got just asexual reproduction, it's just the same material happening again. So you're basically just reproducing the same person over and over again. Yeah, and an asexual reproduction is generally how really uncomplex microbes and bacteria and single-cell organisms do. They just mm-hmm. split in half, both get a copy of the, the instruction manuals or the chromosomes and mm-hmm. go from there. In parthenogenesis, what actually happens is that they it gets around this by using just... The, the host, the, the female, the mother's chromosomes to create that reproduction. And, and, it's, and it's phenomenal. It's, it's, it is a kind of scary but interesting prospect where basically it does away with one half of the sexual reproduction and sort of gets this quasi-asexual reproduction on its own. So creating a fertilised embryo from just the single, the single parent. I know we've seen this in some more complex organisms. Like there's a few... I think vertebrae and maybe some fish who do it, but I've never heard of it happening in a snake, personally. Well, well, that's right. So some research recently published by Dr. Warren Booth in the Biological Journal of Linnean Society. I don't know what Linnean's have to do with snakes, but 
the important part is that we often thought that this was a couple of vertebrate species that were able to do this, but we're actually now seeing it in a whole wide variety, uh, including a lot of different snakes, specifically boas and pythons, and uh, even water snakes and pit vipers are ones that we're actually identifying that have this ability. So it's not like all snakes can do it, but we're seeing more and more snakes actually do have this ability to reproduce using parthenogenesis. Um, which is, which is fascinating because not all species are able to do it. And certainly it's very difficult for humans to do it. We can't do it mm-hmm. naturally. Um, but snakes actually have this ability, have evolved this ability to actually be able to do this. And it's going to be really fascinating to see how snake species evolve in the future if a lot of them do end up taking on this, whether this is the way of evolution and the future. Mm. And, you know, in, in lots of sci-fi dystopias, they sort of have it as the as this kind of thing. Well, we don't need men anymore. Yeah, mm. let's just reproduce oh. asexually. Um, that, that's that's kind of a concept of you know, basically the, the species will drift apart and evolve beyond needing the, that kind of method of reproduction, mm-hmm. either naturally or through genetic engineering shenanigans, depending on which sci-fi book you're reading. But insects, crustaceans, flatworms, snails, and even reasonably big lizards which are called squamata um, such as the komodo dragon are actually able to do this funnily enough sham sharks like the sham sharks like the bonnet head and the zebra shark can do this which is which is quite quite fascinating to see they've actually managed they managed to see it in in zoos um in 2008 mm-hmm. scientists confirmed they actually were able to observe that happening mm-hmm. in a atlanta uh in an atlantic black tip shark in virginia and so they actually saw that happen in an aquarium um in two white spotted bamboo sharks in 2002 Belle island aquarium in detroit actually did it themselves um and because the reason why it baffled everyone was because there was only one female shark in the tank and then suddenly it laid two eggs that birthed after 15 weeks and everyone was like, but we don't what? we but don't understand. Was there a shark that walked in here? How did... <laughs> so, and that's, that's actually quite interesting. In captivity, we actually often see it happening because it's really easy to say, identify, no, there were no other things here. It was just one shark and now we have more. Why? Um, what I found really funny is uh, in... In 2007, uh, you may have heard of the now discredited South Korean scientist Huang Wook-suk, Huang Wook-suk, the South Korean research scientist, who claimed at the time to have done human cloning using stem cells. Mm-hmm. And after much fanfare and then investigation and then overturning of the results and discrediting it of his research, we found out that no, he hadn't actually managed to clone humans. But what he had managed to do, which is actually as so pretty Im- amazing, pretty impressive as a myth, is he managed actually to get these human embryos to, to undergo parthenogenesis, to create a human embryo on its own, basically. Mm-hmm. Which it wasn't what he was trying to do, <laughs> but it is still a pretty impressive feat. So even though he didn't manage to actually do some um, human stem cell cloning, he still managed to offend like an amazing, interesting thing. Yes. So it just goes to show sometimes, you know, research can take very odd turns, but still at the same time, be very unethical and questionable. <laughs> so, I mean, snakes now among sharks and a variety of other animals can undergo this amazing trait of parthenogenesis and reproduct, reproduce asexually from just a single parent. So, if you have a snake, and if you do buy a pet snake like Lauren, just make sure you're careful with the type of snake you buy. 
And if it lays eggs, don't be incredibly alarmed. It may just be undergoing parthenogenesis. I was in this room to be a grandmother. <laughs> well, sometimes it just gets voiced upon you. <laughs> like we'd finally managed to get a handle on one of the most deadly outbreaks that plagued us in 2015, Ebola. And after much work in several Central African and Western African countries, they managed to put a lid on the outbreaks that were occurring there and save millions of people's lives. In fact, we're now even starting to see some vaccines being developed, trialled and tested to moderate degrees of success for that. Several countries have now been months without an Ebola actual patient outbreak as well, so they're actually getting it very well under control. But we're only... One month into 2016, and we're already hearing words of another epidemic. This time in a very different format. Uh, And it's also quite unusual in that the impacts of this epidemic are often not visible immediately, or in fact, after quite a period of time. And this one is happening in Central South America, particularly around Brazil and other areas in the Central America's continent. So this is, of course, the Zika virus, which you've probably heard about in the news. Now, the Zika virus, unlike Ebola, which is a bacterial infection, Zika virus is a mosquito-borne virus. And it's, it's a flavivirus, which is uh, basically a mosquito-borne infection that has travelled from patient to patient that way through the blood. And it is similar in nature to dengue fever. Dengue fever is something, particularly if you live in the tropics, uh, for example, in northern Queensland, northern territory, you'd be very familiar with the dangers of dengue fever or Ross River fever, another flavivirus that is quite deadly. And in instances, those instances, a disease is spread by the mosquito biting you and then it leads to severe symptoms. In dengue fever's case, uh, it's often called breakbone fever because it's substantial amounts of joint pain, rashes, headaches, fevers, and it's often called breakbone fever because it's so painful. By contrast, the Zika virus is something that is actually much more milder in nature. In fact, only one in five people actually infected with the Zika virus will go on to actually feel or develop symptoms of being infected. And so you might say, well, great, you know, that, that's great. It seems to be some kind of epidemic that's spreading around and it's not really doing that much. And we've known about the Zika virus since the 1947, actually, specifically, because it's named after the Zika forest in Uganda. And it's travelled a bit since then with some outbreaks in other African countries, Southeast Asia, Pacific Islands, and now South America. In fact, it's also sort of travelling a bit north into the southern parts of Northern America, such as Texas, Puerto Rico, uh, and Florida, where the climate is conducive to this little mosquito. But the reason why everyone is so concerned about the Zika virus at the moment is that the particular strain inside Brazil that they're seeing is seeing a substantive increase in birth defects as a relation at the same time. Now, there's not actually a proven link between the two, but there is a gathering amount of evidence, an increasingly alarming gathering amount of evidence, to suggest that there is some kind of connection there. So this disease, unlike Ebola, which kills you rapidly and very visibly and is quite easy to stop, no one's actually ever really thought about um, tackling the Zika virus in too much of an effort at the moment with a vaccine because it's quite mild in nature. But those 
it is suspected that those who have been infected with the Zika virus, particularly pregnant women, can go on to give birth to children with microcephaly. And microcephaly is, uh, is, is quite a detrimental condition. It, it's effectively when babies are born with uh, abnormal birth defects, uh, which results in a very small head, uh, shrunken-ish head for the baby. And it means that there can be neurological impairment, learning difficulties, uh, seizures, a whole bunch of other issues, which can also not only lead to the death of the infants, either uh, pre-birth or after birth in early ages, it also causes a lot of long-term life issues for those small children. So, Obviously, this is quite a terrifying thing for any expecting mothers who are trying to keep them under control. So the issue is that when Zika outbreak occurred, starting from about September, health officials were noting that as this virus was spreading out through the areas, which wasn't causing too many problems, they were starting to see a dramatic, dramatic increase in microcephaly. Now, there, you know, on average, there should have been about 200 cases in, in Brazil around the time period that they were looking at. But by the end of the month, they had over 4,000. And this was causing uh, some kind of quite concern because when they actually looked through the people who had developed microcephaly, they're actually seeing that several of them had traces of the Zika virus in their system. Now, there's not been a lot of research into this just yet, but it is one now where everyone is very actively turning their attention to it. The World Health Organization is actually holding a very senior meeting conference crisis call to try and determine if there's a link between photo deformation uh, and Zika virus and whether or not something can be done about it. And the challenge there for researchers that, you know, to develop a kind of cure, you have to do trials on, on pregnant women. And that, according to the standards of ethics and practicalities, is very, very difficult to do. Not many medical trials are actually done on pregnant women for fear of injuring both the child and the mother in this very fragile state. So it's quite actually a difficult thing. Um, Mike Turner, the head of infection for the immunobiology at the Wellcome Trust, which is a famous medical research institute in the UK, uh, says that the real problem is that trying to develop a vaccine that would have to be tested on pregnant women is practically and ethically a nightmare. Now, What is being done at the moment is trying to actually research into the Aedes aegypti, which is the, the virus itself that is causing these issues in the Zika virus. Um, is trying to, they're actually trying to investigate whether or not that's been linked uh, to the microcephaly increase and how a mutation may have occurred from the typical Aedes aegypti strain, which we know have known about since the 40s, which didn't cause that as far as we knew. Um, and since we're seeing more increases, maybe there's been a strain change, particularly in the Brazil area. Um, but until this research is completed, it actually poses a lot of difficulty uh, and both ethical and practicality steps for people in Central America and South America in particular and Brazil. Not only is Brazil hosting an Olympics very shortly, there's not really much you can do in, to take out these mosquitoes. Now, the use of DDT or other pesticides is something we're reluctant to do in wide mass spraying, but they're, they're kind of having to. Uh, also, in Brazil, soldiers are effectively going door-to-door -door in certain areas to kill any areas where mosquitoes could breed. And when I say kill, I mean treat and also or destroy. 
which which is great because that may stop the spread of this virus, but it doesn't actually necessarily, you know, prevent the dangerous side effects from occurring. Of course, we all know that you know spraying with DDT, whilst a very effective mosquito killer, is something that's very carcinogenic, and in the 1950s and 50s and 60s has had high risks links to cancer. So we, we banned it in most parts of the world. So the most effective mosquito killer is also something we don't like really using. Uh, and mosquito-borne viruses, there's a lot of work that goes into it, particularly for malaria and Ross River fever and dengue virus, because they are huge killers across all of the developing world, and even in industrialized first world nations as well now to stop this virus which is very different from things such as ebola we're going to have to take different types of steps a mass vaccine is not easily going to be researched though people will proceed down that trust but first we have to prove if there is a link or if it's not something else that's going on here that's causing this dramatic rise in microcephaly or birth defects in children in brazil at the moment if it is a mutation in the strain of the Aedes aegypti virus then perhaps as some researchers are trialing, we can genetically engineer mosquitoes, to uh, male mosquitoes particularly, that once they breed with a virus-carrying female, the offsprings pretty much automatically die off. And this has been developed by a British company, Oxitec, and they tested in the eastern city of Brazil of Piricabia, and the mosquito population there fell by about 90%. So there are some interesting techniques we can use to challenge this, this, this virus outbreak. But until then, there is not... A lot that we can do, aside from trying to study it more, contain and destroy the places where mosquitoes might breed, and urge caution to those thinking about having a family or women who are pregnant or traveling, planning to travel or travel through those regions. So whilst this fight may be a longer one and a more long-term difficult one than the Ebola fight, the World Health Organization is marshalling the troops of medicine to try and tackle this. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we talked about snakes and sharks giving birth with only one parent. Plus, we found out about how the Zika virus is worrying expecting parents in South America and what scientists are doing to tackle that. Our ending theme was composed by Audio and Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.